All right, is everyone ready for this? I'm ready. All right, yeah. thank you, Joe, running for the idea. <clears throat> She's up all night to the sun. I'm up all night to get some. She's up all night for good fun. I'm up all night to get Loki. <laughs> We're up all night to the sun. We're up all night to get some. We're up all night for good fun. We're up all night to get Loki. 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 Hi, I'm Tanner Richard Kraft. I'm Joseph Rennick. I'm Austin Zwiebelman. I'm Joe Bovinglow. And I'm Rain Conversity. And today we are talking about, because we had to switch up the schedule, because uh, Joe Bovinglow, being the diva he is, demanded that we accommodate for him. Uh, so instead asshole. of talking about Space Jam, we'll be talking about Space Jam next week. Don't you worry. We will come on and slam and welcome to the jam. But for now, we are talking about episodes four, five, and six of I Came. And by that, I mean we're talking about Loki. <laughs> So since we don't need to talk about our history with Loki, because we already did that last week, I think this week we're just going to get right into it. What did you guys think of episodes four through six of Loki overall? We're going to start with Rain. Oh, boy. So I guess I should uh, start this with, so I, since I've been seeing these episodes week to week, so just like a big giant burst like I have with WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier, I have to be honest that I have kind of the it's all sort of blending together. It's hard for me to remember like what happened in episode two, what happened in episode four, what happened in episode five. So I can only just give a general rundown of the of like my thoughts for the past few episodes. And I gotta say, oof, we're starting with the hot take here. So I think I really enjoyed it from episode four to six. I really enjoyed it until until I might have not really enjoyed it at all. Until I I think I might have even really dislikes the sixth episode i guess straight up in a, in a way i'm um i have very mixed feelings on it but you know back to positives episode four and five um i thought that they were they were a great time i um was really enjoying how this show is able to um be just like a fun romp while at the same time um being able to analyze uh loki you know his relation to the world and his relationship to himself in a way as well as the buying room, um, every every everything with um, him and Sylvie, I think works great. But yeah, man, that that ending. Uh, the, my problem is so so Kang, Mister Kang himself, fantastic performance, great way to introduce the. Well, I like the uh, premise of the character, like how they're uh, fitting him to the MCU. I think it's a good way to like keep it goofy and comic booky while also keeping it um, reasonable for like general audiences. My main problem is I thought. Like this whole story, um, trying to like analyze Loki while also giving us a fun adventure. I f- that all these episodes have been able to do it so far. I feel like for the last episode, they really dropped a lot of that just to advertise, "Hey, here's our next big bad for the saga." And I could be wrong. Like I'll, I want to be wrong. Uh, I just everything with King. I just feel like everything is like, oh, this is it's no longer in service to Loki's arc. It's now in service to just advertising future installments of this villain's appearance. I'm very mixed on that, though, because I do feel like cause there is the stuff with Sylvie at the very end where they where Loki is for the first time being truly honest. And she's just not able to um, just let go of her um, vengeance mindset, like having, having to have a target. I mean, it's possible that maybe it's just not a satisfying ending for me. It's not that they aren't trying. It's just it wasn't what I was wanting. So that was like just the big thing for me for these past couple episodes that I just been like my mind has been constantly stuck on. So I will give it to whoever's next. 
So what you're saying, Rain, is that you're homophobic, and I understand completely. I, you, you, if, if, if Loki was straight, you wouldn't be saying these things. I'm just saying. If it's Loki true. did not confirm he's a bi icon, <laughs> you would not be saying these things. I can't argue against that. Rain is a bigot. He hates everyone. He hates everyone not named Rain Conversi. So Joe Vrenick. Oh, boy. Let's uh, go to a more positive take here, as I'm sure. Uh, what do you think of these... Uh, Episodes four through six overall. Wait, I want one more thing. I am homophobic. <laughs> Man, that performance, that Kang performance. The last black Kang in the multiverse. Uh, Rain, I also just want to address something with you real quick. Uh, reading between the lines, whatever Kang is going to be when he actually shows up, it's going to be nothing like that performance, even though it's going to be the same actor. Well, we can get into that later. But yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. But yeah, we'll get into that. I have a specific thing with Jonathan Majors because I was so enamored with that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Vrenick, episodes four through six overall. So, on the last episode of the Loki podcast that we had, I had one very specific thing that I wanted this show to do. And that was for shit to get weird. I also wanted things to remain unpredictable. I had no idea where this show was going. Four, five, and six, those episodes... Holy fucking shit, did they just escalate the weirdness to, like, the level that I've been wanting these Marvel properties to be for the fucking longest time. Like, here we are. Episode four, Loki gets, what do they call it? Uh, They jab him with the thing. Pruned. That's the end of the episode, but yeah, they pruned him. He, he gets pruned. Owen Wilson gets pruned. There's the uh, the fucking timekeeper robot people that are, like, very reminiscent of, like, the Wizard of Oz and shit. Like, that shit's weird, and they have, like, these cool designs. And then there's that mid credit scene, which leads into episode four. They're on this other planet. There's all these other Lokis. Richard E. Grant is wearing a 1960s Loki costume, and it looks fucking incredible. Don't even get me started on the ending of this last episode. Holy fucking shit, did that take some balls for that to be the final fucking episode of the show? He screamed. He he literally went like, what? Yeah. yeah. It's probably the first time maybe since, like, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 that I've had such a fucking strong reaction to, like, a Marvel movie. Like, a Marvel property. It's not a movie, but, mm-hmm. I mean, they're kind of shot like movies at this point. But, yeah. I loved these episodes. I want to see where season two goes. I want to... Just when I thought I was out of Marvel, they fucking pull me back in. Just when you thought you were out! I want to know where phase four is going to go because they have, like, said that Kang is going to be, like, basically phase four's version of Thanos. And already, like, they've done a better job with uh, setting him up because they've established the stakes of how powerful this guy is just in one fucking shot. Holy shit, what is he going to fuck up? I am excited, man. Yeah, I don't think I could agree more. Bob and Low, what do you think of episodes four through six overall? Well, overall, I thought they were fantastic. Episode number four, the episode after we did the uh, the first podcast, we thought that we were going to look like jackasses after that first episode, and I would we say we did. Yeah. <laughs> we looked like total jackasses. <laughs> Anything we said we wanted to happen did happen, or it didn't. Like, if you watch that, like, there's so many things that we uh, we covered, but also didn't cover. I remember uh, Austin's point about it being about religion, about how uh, the TVA is kind of like a religion in a way. And it's just like after the uh, the timekeepers revealed to be robots, it was kind of like, 
coming from someone that used to be religious and is no longer religious, that hit with me. Like, thinking about the TVA as religion and then finding out that that wasn't what I thought it was, that kind of solidified it for me. So I, I, I think I agree more with Austin now that it is definitely more about religion, in a way, at least. So that was really cool. And then um, just overall, the arcs of the last three episodes just leading up to the final big reveal that was, I guess I would call the like episodes four and five, those could have been... Like, the whole last episode was just the reveal. That's all the episode was for the most part. And, like, I feel like they did a really good job setting up that the final episode of it was just this huge reveal that's going to be where we're at for however many years this saga is going to be. And I think that they set it up really well. We love you, Blowing Low. <laughs> and final, Loki good. Loki good. Austin, give us to us. Give us the religion. Give us the war. Give it to us all. What do you think of four through six? Actually, I'm going to punt responsibility for that religion claim the same way that I'm punting responsibility for claiming WandaVision was about the Iraq war and that Falcon and the Winter Soldier was about conflicts with the state because Disney will never, never let me have that. Um, instead, I'm applying for the position as an IGN writer that now needs to be filled because they fired a guy who tried to give a Loki oh, episode a C crazy. rating. <laughs> That fucking discourse was exhausting. I don't want to, God, I want to blow my brains out. As someone who loves IGN as a publication, when I was younger, I saw some, (laughs) I saw some R-rated movies and some art house films as a kid that made me really engage with the medium, but literature and comic books, not quite so much until I was in eighth grade and I started reading Alan Moore's Watchmen. And I got to the parts where Dr. Manhattan was dissecting how he goes through time non-linearly and how he views it. And that was the first time that I had a comic book sort of hit me the way that I watched movies. This would later go on with books when I read Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut for the first time. So we just went through the entire Infinity Saga, right? It was a fun ride, Uh, starting with Iron Man, ending with Endgame. I really liked Doctor Strange and I really liked Ant-Man. But really, uh, with these Disney Plus shows following it, as well as that Spider-Man film, um, I think this really kicks off the phase four we've been hearing about. When they were saying that they were about to get weird i think that these last three episodes are really the door being open to that thing that's been advertised to us and uh that's that's so exciting because i i have this guy this uncle michael and he's been telling me all these details about comics and every hanukkah that i ever showed up to at my grandma's house he's like hey did you know the fantastic four actually once got in a tussle with the time police and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about michael We're on the part where (laughs) Iron Man builds War Machine. And it's cool that we're, like, inching ever closer to that psychedelic horizon where shit just, like, all the cans of worms just open all at once. I love how ballsy it was that the sixth episode is them going to a castle at the end of time. And I'm sort of in the same boat as Rain as far as, like, what I felt during that episode was mostly disappointment. There's a show I really like called Mr. Robot, and they condensed two final seasons into one. And any Mr. Robot fan knows there's this episode, season four, episode seven, where it's all just talking the entire episode, leading to this crazy conclusion, kind of like what episode six did, where they're trying to figure out the truth of what Kang is saying and deal with it. And I didn't think that was as fun following up after, you know, episode four uh, and episode five. But for the most part, I just... 
I, I like that this show stuck the landing more because with WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it seemed like they went for some like family friendly, easy to digest action movie. Whereas this thing went like, like a postmodern mindfuck finale. And I'll definitely take that. I like I like that this is a sign of things to come. And overall, Loki's been my favorite show so far. This really cemented it. And uh, so I'm, I'm just really excited for season two, like the rest of you. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll take it over from here. I came, <laughs> semen everywhere, disgusting. I had to, I, I spent hours cleaning it up. Episodes four through five is everything I never thought the MCU would ever do. When in the middle of episode five, where Tom Hiddleston's like, "I've had enough of this shit, I'm gonna go," and he opens the door to like twenty fucking different Loki's, like. Well, which one of us are you? And he just looks so fed up. I was like, oh, my God, this is everything I've always wanted Marvel to do. And I never thought they would ever do it. And I had accepted that. I had accepted that Marvel's always going to be this grounded weirdness. And I was going to be okay with that. They've opened Pandora's box here. And I'm not sure I'm going to be able to go back. (laughs) I still like the grounded stuff. I'm still excited for Shang-Chi and stuff like that. But they've opened the fucking box here. And it's kind of insane that they went there. It's almost weird to talk about episodes four through six because four and five feel like a much more coherent piece together than episode six does. If it weren't for a very specific aspect of episode six, which we're going to get into later, I think I might have been more disappointed with episode six as a whole. But something saved that episode for me and we'll get to that. But episodes four and five was insane. When I was watching episode four, you know what I witnessed? I witnessed everything we talked about in the podcast being like, we want to see this. We want to see that. I hope we see this. I hope we see that. Basically address everything we thought we wanted in episode four. And then there were still two episodes left. I I lost my goddamn. I lost my. I lost. I lost my Loki cum. No. Um. Why am I talking about cum so much? That's weird. Loki is is everything I wanted from these Disney Plus Marvel shows. I say that as someone who was a really big fan of WandaVision, and I think it deserves all the love it's getting at the awards. I say this as a huge fan of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I think it's really fucking weird Don Cheadle got nominated for an Emmy. This show, this show was bonkers. This show was insane. Tom Hiddleston in episode six is some of the greatest acting I have ever seen from him. The way he's like, ah, oh, this is it. Oh, evil Doc Mastermind's Loki grand plan comes together. I went, oh, man, this is acting. Holy shit. It, it shows how much Tom Hiddleston cares for this character and for this world. I just loved these episodes so, so much. I love this show so, so much. I, I And I got, I'm so excited to see a season two, which apparently we weren't supposed to know about. So I kind of feel like a dick for talking about that last podcast episode on this one. Apparently that wasn't a confirmed thing. I just read it. I was just spreading leaks on the internet. I'm part of the problem. I am the the, the bad guy. Duh. Canceled. Uh, I'm uncancelable. Warps into puppy. I love these episodes. I love these episodes. If I had to pick an absolute favorite episode, I think I would pick episode five between Loki battle royale scene and Richard E. Grant's glorious purpose scene, which was some of the most beautiful, that glorious purpose scene. Talk about a masterclass of introducing us to a character, making us care about him and making us sad when he's gone. I felt real emotion when Richard E. Grant was able to fulfill his glorious purpose, his meaning of life. And that was a single episode. If he doesn't get a guest Emmy nomination next year, the world is bullshit. I was going to say Loki uh, got to die a hero twice. Exactly. So very rapid fire, guys, because this is just such a brief question. Favorite episode of the series overall? We'll start with Rain. 
All right. Yeah. No, I'm you. You saw the words right in my, my mouth when you're talking about episode five. I think it was just wonderful to see all these different sides of Loki. Although the moment we I saw Kid Loki, I was like, oh, there goes my um, weird theory out the window. <laughs> Gotta say that kid was not the greatest actor. I'm sorry, uh, kid, if you see this and I contribute to your bullying. That was Death Machine Star, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Richard, he, uh, his his whole um, story arc, I think it was, I thought it was like a master class and just like like a little mini arc of um, just setting up this character and then having his um, payoff. It was just, I thought it was amazing. And not to mention, like, just like the, just like the visual, like, beauty of just seeing like like all of asgard made within the context of um how illusions are in the oh are you are you okay tanner <laughs> no no devin dylan out of nowhere just texted me what if kanye west was kang and i don't know what this is supposed to mean i thought you were crying like you were getting <laughs> no. worked up by my i was thing. just reading the message and i just say imagine if kanye west was kang and i just felt all the fluids drain from my brain <laughs> uh, i thought what i was saying was emotionally moving no, it is, though. It is. I, sorry. Um, no, no, you're good. And then, yeah, no, he um, really sells it. And then something you brought up that we were when we were talking about the episode that I think was really uh, really adds a lot to it. That I didn't even think about when watching the episode was. Um, oh, right. Like as Guardians age super, super. So like Thor and Loki are like 1500 years old, like in these movies. Just imagine how long Richard E. Grant had to have been alone. Like just the, the sheer amount of time. Like that's just. Yeah insane and then um it was just wonderful to see uh, this man giving like this deep moving speech while dressed in um a garish um 60s style suit it's incredible yeah i love it and then gator loki gator loki it'll be Take a the dude's hand it'll be a sad world if he doesn't become the next like baby yoda or, or baby group dear disney please put your corporate corp secret corporate marketing money into alligator loki yeah and then, yeah, that was my favorite episode. Radic, favorite episode and why? Quickly go. Oh, God. Um, so my favorite episode's the same as Rain's, episode five. Um, pretty much for all the same reasons as Rain. I won't go too deep into it. I also won't go into uh, a character in that because um, that's part of the next question as I'm seeing here. Um, but I will talk about this. As a comic book nerd who loves really weird shit, like even the... Uh, weird shit that would probably never make it into the movies. That episode alone was just heaven for me because you get shots of the Thanos copter. You get a shot of, uh, it was frog Thor, right? Yeah. Like he, like he's in the jar hopping for the hammer voiced by Chris Hemsworth. I believe there's like all of these like tiny little weird Easter eggs. And then you got that whole brawl with, uh, with president Loki and that 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 one fucking shot where it just chomps off the fucking hand that, that that's probably the, the most intense I've seen a Marvel show like it gets and it kind of looked bloody like oh damn like they're going there holy shit this is awesome but you know it absolutely fucking bonkers episode I had some fun little Easter eggs that I really enjoyed. Also, it had a cloud villain that was actually a cloud villain. So that they're not taking. Yeah, that, that <laughs> I was talking about this with Tanner when I watched the episode. Um, yeah, no, um, Eliath is actually a cloud monster. So they're not taking some like random guy and just making him a cloud villain. They're actually using a cloud villain correctly. That's an, I <laughs> refuse to believe you. I assumed that was just another 
another case no, of Galactus. Eliaf is just a cloud dude in the comics. Yeah, no, okay. he is he is just a cloud monster. Okay. Alright, Bovinglo, very quickly, favorite episode and why? Uh, I will say my main disappointment with this series has been the fact that there wasn't a crossover with Disney's movie, The Minutemen. <laughs> or Clock Stoppers. <laughs> why wasn't this in the next Time Splitters game? Or is it Clock Stoppers? Cock blockers. Some yeah. Disney original movie crossover here. Kind of disappointed yeah. that we didn't, but it's really hard to say between like all like all three of those episodes. There was something to gravitate towards. Like in the uh, in episode four, there was you know like finding out the timekeepers weren't real. People thinking that Loki died again. How many times have they like teased his death? It's always interesting to find new ways to kill Loki. I guess. I mean, I think I would probably lean towards episode five being my favorite because of how much is revealed in that uh, episode. Because I mentioned in the last podcast, again, that uh, I really like world-building episodes for seeing where I'm at, seeing what's to come, and seeing what I'm in for. And episode five definitely delivered on that. Like, there's just so much happening, and there's just so much, like, build-up. And then episode six, I didn't feel the same disappointment that I've been hearing a little bit from others. I really enjoyed it, and I just... I really liked the reveal of... Loki is not where he thinks he is or mm-hmm. thought he was. Sylvie didn't send him to the right place. Yeah, so, that place made me scream. I screamed when they when they panned up to the statue. I literally went, oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like that whole uh, Planet of the Apes reveal, like those damn dirty apes. Like when he sees the Statue of Liberty, that's the same vibe, same vibe. Oh my God! Joe Rennick said the same thing when he watched it. I, I, I literally quoted the, the the actual scene from Planet of the Apes when that happened. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't notice it when it happened. That was something I saw afterwards. I was like, Oh my God, they're right. I can't take full credit on that, but I thought that was really cool. But you no, know, we'll give you full credit on that. You earned it. No, don't do that, please. Full credit, A plus. No, I'll I'll take a C. B B B, B minus, and you'll like it. Hmm. But uh, yeah, episode five for the win. All right. Austin, favorite episode and why? Hurry, go. Yeah, Sonny is my favorite character in In the Heights. Um, I, <laughs> Again? Episode, episode, as someone who's an optimist and really wants Loki and Sylvie to make a porno, episode five felt like a high that lasted seven days. I loved everything in that episode. I thought it was funny in the set of episodes. They killed the perceived final boss three episodes in a row. That really shows you got a Rick and Morty writer. But when you're an optimist, I think episode five is the perfect little bubble. It was so much fun. I got to pick that one. That's a fair, fair, fair answer. Okay, guys, moving on to the next question, and to be a, a bit of a surprise this time, we're going to start with Rennick. Favorite character of this show and why? All right, so my favorite character of the show was only in one episode, and I had mentioned that I was going to talk about him later. It, it's got to be Richard E. Grant as classic Loki. Like, he, he, is yes. my, he, he, he has been my favorite character of this show the, this entire time, and which is kind of insane because... When they introduced uh, the Kang variants, I, ha- I had his name pulled up here. Immortus, that's that's the uh, the name of the uh, Kang variant that they're using. Um, they don't say his name in they the show. They literally call him He Who Reigns. That's a Marvel comic character that's a variation of Kang. He Who Remains. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, no, Richard E. Grant as classic Loki. First off, that fucking costume might be the greatest costume in anything Marvel-related. 
that 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 costume is like a plus costume. Secondly, Richard E. Grant acts the fucking hell out of that character. Like, my god, did he just come on come onto the show and just class that shit up? Thirdly, he's only in like one episode, and yet you get like so much information about him that you just know where he's coming from. You know his motivation, and then his sacrifice at the end of that episode is just so meaningful. I did not want to see him die. I, I, I want a whole show with him, damn it. You'll get our Vader Loki show and you'll like it. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'll take that because I really do like Alligator Loki too. That That is such I'll a weird concept. I'll compromise. Yeah. That, that is such a weird concept that I'm just like, you know what? If they just made a show out of this, I, I would watch it. All right. I really want to keep people on their toes. So Austin, who is your favorite character and why? I can't believe she got established as canon in episode six, but Greta Thunberg, probably. Uh, is my favorite <laughs> <character>. <laughs> you know what? I, I thought it was great that Nelson Mandela was established as canon, especially after Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's officially confirmed racism does not exist in the MCU now. <laughs> he who remains is black. It's great. We did it! We did it! Wakanda forever! Obama's president! If Tanner could have uh, voted for, for Immortus for a third term, he would have. <laughs> I would have honest. voted for Immortus for a third term. Uh, this is this is some vanilla shit I'm about to pull, but my favorite character is probably still be Loki uh, because he's this committed to masturbating. This man will transcend time and space to love himself. This dude's most likely a nexus being because his... First true love is beating the bishop. Loki started a multiversal war again just in hopes he could do hand-to-gland combat. Never in my wildest dreams did I expect Marvel to focus this heavily on a character who would shatter reality just to bust with someone he can trust. After that finale, everybody except Loki felt like pawns in somebody else's game. Meanwhile, our protagonist was playing with himself all along. Remember when at the end of the last podcast episode we said, yeah, Marvel's never going to do self-cessed? And then immediately they leaned into that? Yep. Self-cessed. All right. I'm going to keep everyone on their toes here. Bob and Law, who's your favorite character and why? Uh, It is, like, I'll go vanilla as well. It's either Loki or Sylvie. Definitely. Like, I, it's really hard. Like, seeing the progression of Loki, not even just in the series, but overall... He used to be just, like, this villain with some comedic relief here and there. Like, obviously lovable, and you wanted to distrust, like, he was a great character already. But now, I feel like there's more... He's more cemented as an actual character. He's almost a hero now. It's, at least they're painting him kind of as one. So it's kind of interesting to see his entire arc as they've painted it out for us. And then with Sylvie, she's this new, essentially Loki... She's not getting the same arc over time that we saw with Loki, but she still has, she still got that arc. Actually, I guess she wouldn't have really gotten that arc, now that I think about it, because she didn't really change a whole lot throughout the whole show. The more I think of it, the more I disagree with myself, because in episode... Are you certain, it, what you're saying is you, you, you're disagreeing with your variant? We, yeah. got him. Yeah. we got him! We got him! But in episode three, like when they're, I think it's episode three, they're talking to the uh, the dude that's in, or they're trying to talk to the dude that's in the house, trying to get off Lamentis, and um, Loki trying the. Uh, I am mistaken. It was it was Sylvia that wanted to be more brash about it, mm-hmm. yes. and she, that carried through the whole show, up until the end, where she caused mayhem that we're going to be living in for the next however many years. 
it'll be interesting to see how she changes. Yeah. Sylvie most certainly did some d- 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 damage. Oh, Rain. Yeah. Yes. I-, I have a feeling you will also go vanilla here, but who's your favorite character and why? Actually, no, I think because of just like as short as it was, it was so well executed that I'll just have to go back to um I'll just have to go back to Richard old, E. Grant. Yeah. Um just you know, and why just see um what Joe V said and what I said for episode five. Um Although very very honorable mention though to uh, Loki himself though, so you're not too far from the point. I really do think it really is interesting to see um, his growth, um, like from just being a uh, knockoff of um, Avengers One Loki to seeing his, uh, you know, him being emotionally moved, um, the beginnings of him being able to like become his um, a new person, a new character, and then just sort of his back and forth until everything sort of fails. And I guess to go back to what I was saying before about the last, uh, ep- the, about the, um, my disappointment then I will say pretty much everything I said about my disappointment will, um, I will rescind if they really find a good way to conclude. Like if, cause it, if it's just a, you know, if they find a good way to conclude the arc for the second season, like to conclude Loki's arc, I would really appreciate that. And then touching on with, uh, Sylvie's arc, what you uh, were saying, uh, Boving Low, I think um, the way I feel, because she did sort of, I felt like she was growing and not um, being so one-track by being able to let go of um, her sort of attitude towards the world. And she was growing until she sort of uh, went back. Like, it's very common in, in a um, redemption arc, or, or really any character arc, for there to be like a brief um, like relapse into their old ways before they really, truly learn how to learn. And assuming this is I feel like if you view season one, it's just like a smaller part of a larger part of for the Loki story. Then I could see it working as um, just like Sylvie's relapse um, and her mistake. And then she has to, and then if season two, she has to learn from her mistake and then grow from it. And Loki gets to find it like I feel like if there's like a better conclusion to his arc, whereas this sort of just I felt like they sort of it was well, it was just a giant cliffhanger. Then I will all my complaints with the last episode will be rescinded. All right. Uh, you know, I think you brought into a great point with the redemption arc. Every great redemption arc has a KFC double down right there in the middle somewhere. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, but straight up, I mean, like Kylo Ren in The Last Jedi was him doubling down before his redemption. And mm-hmm. oh, well, that's right. They never made another Star Wars movie after that. Oh, yeah. Um, it's funny how so, you know, <laughs> Austin's look. <laughs> That killed me. Um, I'm going to rank my top five characters because I'm selfish and I can't pick. Number five, Sylvie. I think Sylvie was a great character. She was really interesting. And I think seeing her moment of doubling down was heartbreaking in an interesting way. Number four, we're going to name Mobius, my boy, Owen Wilson. Uh, God, what a, what a, Owen Wilson's hot. He's just hot, man. I would, I would, I would. He's a great character. I really love him as a mentor. Or Tanner Richardcraft. If he's not crying, he's Thurston on this podcast. Yeah, I just noticed I switched between <laughs> horny and crying this entire, all the goddamn time. <laughs> Number three, Richard E. Grant as classic Loki. I loved it. You guys have said it. I've already said it. But it's just such a masterful performance that really deserves a guest Emmy nomination next year. Number two, it's going to be Loki himself. Loki himself is so... I just love his arc in this show. It's like a better version of the arc wheel we got somehow. Because I really felt like he truly learned how to be a good man and a hero. Kind of like what Bowinglow was saying before. At the end of this show, he's ultimately acting in what the best interest of the universe is. And more importantly, what the best interest of Sylvie is. Yeah. It was a beautiful moment because it was like, I don't want to hurt you. I just want you to be okay. 
a lesser version of this character would have just said, I just want you. Framing it selfishly, but him saying, I just want you to be okay, Mm -hmm. is amazing. And it shows his growth. Now, this is going to sound insane. You would notice I said top five, and I've said four. Mm -hmm. Because this actually transitions into our next question. But as I was thinking about it, leading up to this question, I think my favorite character in this show is Jonathan Majors' He Who Remains. Mm Mm-hmm. I know it's only one episode, but that performance is so masterful. I I, I was afraid after watching it, am I like just buying into weird, quirky villain stuff? But seeing the hype for him from others made me feel validated in it. It's more than just this weird, quirky guy to me. There's like like a lot of grandness to him. A lot of like weight to just his mere presence. I think that's in the costuming. I think that's in Citadel at the end of time. Everything about him as a character makes me excited because the version we saw here is pretty much an objectively terrible person that removed everyone of their free will. Mm -hmm. But he hammers home, and as we find out he's right, he's probably the best version of him. The best version of him removes free will. What's the worst version going to be like? And I, I don't know. Jonathan Majors is as he who remains as such a great character. And it's a shame that we'll probably never see that version again. But for as brief as his time in this spotlight was, it was incredible. I can't wait until we see him in probably the next Ant-Man movie. Maybe Doctor Strange. We'll see. I just remember at the beginning of the show, I was convinced Kang wasn't going to be a part of it because we didn't learn about Jonathan Majors as Kang until Ant-Man was in pre-production. So Mm -hmm. apparently they just announced it late and they were really Marvel's the king of hiding their cards. They really are. Is it time for us to talk about Kang, or is there another bit? It's just Jonathan Majors as as he remains. Yeah. And I I guess it could also tie into what do you think of the future for the universe. Maybe we can just put it as a two-parter question. We'll start with Austin to keep everyone on their toes. Austin, (laughs) what do you think of Jonathan Majors as he who remains, and what do you think about his character and its implication on the future of these TV shows and movies? Uh. Jonathan Majors was given some pretty solid direction by Kate Heron so that he could, you know, switch up his performances to keep everybody intrigued throughout the episode. And I'm sad Kate Heron isn't coming back for season two because, you know, part of how good Jonathan Majors was in that scene was probably some coaching from Kate Heron, as well as, you know, him being Jonathan Majors. He was a pretty substantial villain for how much of the episode he had to uh, fill up. And uh, there's a scene, or the, the the dolly zoom. It was downright art house, where it zooms oh, in. I love that! Very slowly, like some crazy shit. And he's just like, we just crossed the threshold. I was like, am I watching a fucking A24 film right now? What is this? It was- Renick, didn't I freak out when that shot happened? I like, watch this, watch this. Yes, you were freaking yeah. out. They do the exact same thing in Boogie Nights, which is my favorite movie. I can't believe they did that in a Marvel film. And so my, my thing on the future of the MCU is... If we're in reality going to have a company like Disney swallow up all the competitors until it forms sort of like a media monopoly singularity and they wreak untold havoc on our wallets, might as well have it pay off by getting these films where uh, nobody's (laughs) off limits anymore. I'm talking actors, storylines, times, places, you name it. Anything is possible now because we're in hell. And uh, I I also think... uh, This is a great answer to the question, like, how do you top Thanos? Because it's pretty hard to think of somebody who can top universal genocide. And I think that a villain who can come in, like, a bunch of increasingly worse forms from outside the universe, 
like some kind of fifth dimensional chaos monster. That's that's a that's a pretty good you know uh, wait, wait, uh, successor. I'm excited uh, for this weird James Joyce postmodern interstellar black hole Marvel movie thing that's about to happen because I think it's the new '60s baby. Marvel movies are going to be sci-fi for drug addicts now. I'm excited. I think I think we're about to have fun and enter into a new decade of some cosmically weird shit. Who knew in that scene in the first, in the second Ant-Man movie where Stan Lee's cameo is like, well, the 60s were fun, but now I'm paying for it. Who knew that would be an omen for things to come? Rain, Jonathan Major as Kang, and the future of the MCU go. Yeah, so I have three things that need to be said about Kang. First, that drip. Oh, absolute style off the charts. It's it's funny, too, because it's like a... I didn't realize this until I looked up, because I forgot what Immortus looked like. Like, it's actually like a faithful, like, adaptation of his suit, too, you know, just minus the hat. But anyway, uh, the actual, so, second great thing about... Because, you know, I said a lot... I was pretty critical of, like, his... Uh, where he fit into the show, but I did really appreciate... Uh, like, in a vacuum, I thought it, all of it was just, like, great. It still could be great, um, but anyway... Yeah, there's two things about other things about their grave album, He Who Remains. First off, this uh, particular version, I thought um, his performance as this um, as this specific version of King, I thought was like really just out of the park. Um, you could tell like there was just like a a bit of just like badness to him and also just like someone who's just been on alive for way too long. It's just been when he said like, I've been doing this for a long time, I could I can tell. And then you could also tell like, this is like a person who's done horrible things, but he like like it is kind of a tired trope of like the bad guy who thinks they're in the right. But this is like def- I do think um, just through performance alone, this is one of the more um, really moving uh, variations of that, which you know crazy because you know it's just like you know a half hour episode. And then also again that uh, Dolly in is really effective. Just like this is one of the biggest moments in this guy's life. Is oh now th- th- we're finally out out of the point where everything's like just pre-programmed and now finally we are at the end of my life um, most likely and and then he's just like sort of overjoyed to finally have freedom again in a way i thought that was uh very interesting and then my final point that i really uh like is this has to be like just the the most um the juiciest performance uh opportunity for an actor because not only did he get to like inhabit this character but he gets to inhabit like he not only does he get to go through oh what is this character um what are what have they gone through how am i going to act, perform this he gets to do that for like however many versions of kang they're going to have for the series like oh here's um like that's so like that is and obviously it seems like they got the you have to have the some amazing talent for that and i think they found that so i'm very excited to see how um how he's able to like all the different versions of him and sort of like what texture he get, brings to each performance yeah very excited and the future of the MCU in general and in the implications. Well, really, I'm just excited to see more of him. And then I think it is interesting how they're going the opposite approach, whereas Thanos was um, at best a whisper every once in a while, but didn't really appear until the very end of his saga. I think it's interesting that they're probably going to have King be a more consistent uh, presence. I think that's going to be very interesting. So, yeah. All right, Bobinglow, are you willing to follow that or do you want someone else to go now? Uh, I'll go before I lose what I've kind of come up with. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Well, first of all, was it Jonathan Majors? Like, I have never seen anything else that he's in, so I this is my first time experiencing experiencing him as an actor, and I thought he did this very well. There was definitely that presence about him. Like, he knows things, lots of things that we do not, that Loki does not, that Sylvia does not, that no one knows 
It's about to be this whole can of worms that's about to be open for us in the next however many movies. And then you said, like, future of the MCU. Austin had mentioned, like, Kang is going to be this... He's the next Thanos, basically. But then, after that, who's the next Kang? How are we going to top this? Because we... Bob Iger. What? Bob Iger will be the next Marvel villain. <laughs> I, I was going to say, there there is always Galactus, but that's a better answer, Tanner. <laughs> Moving on, I made a dumb capitalism socialism joke. Keep going. No, I was going to say, if we're talking about dumb, com- or not dumb, but like, you know, just comic booky things, I wouldn't be surprised. My personal theory is they might replace the Beyonder with King and for the, and they might do something like akin to the uh, original um, Secret Wars. Secret War? Yeah, Secret Wars, where, Secret War, wherever it, wherever it is. We didn't get mm-hmm. a whole lot of buildup for Thanos. Thanos. Why do I keep saying Thanos? Thanos. Both are right, I think. It feels weird saying Thanos. I, I don't know why I did it. It's but definitely Thanos. Way. Yeah, it's definitely Thanos, but... All right, I'm trying to make him feel good, you <laughs> asshole. No, I, I caught myself doing it. I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> but uh, Thanos didn't have a whole lot of buildup. Like, we saw him here and again, but he didn't really have his big shining moment until, like, Infinity War. And then we had two movies with them for the most part. Now we're having this big buildup for a villain that actually feels like a big buildup and seeing the hype of everyone online, like seeing how like, oh man, shit's about to get real. It's about to get weird. Like, how are they going to tackle this? And I just don't know how they're going to top it. Like, I'm sure they're like, I'm not comic book savvy. Mm -hmm. I don't know like what happens there. I don't know all the villains, but just from a standpoint of how are they going to get weirder than this? Because this feels really weird. And I'm sure there's plenty of examples, but that's just my thoughts currently. Uh, they sh- they could do weird sex things. That's how they get weirder. I mean, they're already kind of getting there. Oh, uh, yeah, that kiss in episode six, Vrenik and I both went, they did it! Mm-hmm. Vrenik, what do you think of Majors as Kang slash He Who Remains slash Immortus slash Suck My Dick? And what do you think of him in the future of the MCU in general? You know, I, I kind of want to talk about that scene real quick. Um, and I'll also kind of like tie it into his performance as well. I never thought Disney would make a... Uh, a fun version of the architect scene from the matrix reloaded. Um, cause that's, that's a great that's analogy. Kind of the, I, I was talking to Tanner about that. I'm like, this is basically the architect scene from the matrix reloaded. Right. Cause um, yeah, I told you on the car ride home, you're basically about to watch the matrix. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, cause, cause we came back from space jam and all I was talking about was the matrix. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, I, I never thought in a million years that I would see that happen, but it happened and uh, th- they did two things better than that scene, which I think it's already a great scene, but it just needs to be like certain things need to be fixed for it to be like perfect. One, Jonathan Majors, at least this version of Kang, um, Immortus, he who remains, um, <clears throat> whatever you want to call him, that man is charismatic. I... I, I I would not mind watching an, an entire movie with him. Like, the second he's on screen, he just kind of... The last black man in San Francisco's already out, Vernick. You can! I've never seen it, so I might have to. But yeah, no, it's like, he just walks in and is like, oh, I see you have your attention. Here, let me just take that. <laughs> he takes your attention real quick and is absolutely captivating. Also, that whole scene is basically just like nothing but exposition. Like, he's just explaining, oh... Here's who I am. Here's what I do. This is where I come from. And here's what's going to happen. And here are all of the implications of what will happen. And it's like, there's the way that they shoot that scene is visually interesting. The way he goes about 
like describing it as interesting. Like there, there's actual like visuals to kind of help you like understand what's going on. Like he's got like that weird, uh, as Tanner put it, the Kryptonian goo from uh, from Man oh, of Steel. Right, from Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, he, he's like using like visuals to like help describe what's going on, which that's again something that's kind of missing from that architect scene. We we have no idea what he's talking about, or at least on a visual standpoint. And yeah, no, it's like, I could probably talk about that uh, whole sequence for hours, but we, we got to keep... We moving. have nine minutes! <laughs> no, we don't. Anyway, um, but the implications that are now uh, in place after the end of that episode, man, um, I, I was talking about it earlier. Talk about setting up your like big bad for like movies to come. Thanos didn't even get that treatment. Like as, as Boven Globe was talking about, he, he would just show up and just his big moment to shine was Infinity War. Just shows up, doesn't do anything. We don't really get like any sort of idea just how big a threat he is looking back on it. Here, no, we know how big a fucking threat he is. There's like 10 of these fuckers and already they're like conquering worlds and splitting up the the multiverse. I want to know where this goes. I I want to follow this because yeah, the the threat is like already at like such a high stake. I I want to see how they're going to defeat this cuz I have no idea how they're going to defeat this. Right. No, I feel the same way. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is about to be fucking lit as hell, right? Between the fact that Wanda's going to be in it, and we now, this was confirmed by Variety the other day, Loki's going to be in it. Oh. Uh, Multiverse of Madness is going to be a great fucking movie, man. Season two is going to be great. I'm more excited for Quantumania than I was before, and I'm already a huge fan of those Ant-Man movies and Baden Raid and everything. So I'm excited to see that yes-man scene. Um, <clears throat> all right, guys, are you ready for a... It's Tanner's trivia corner. That bit sucked. Um, I liked it. Oh, I thank you. You don't have you don't have to lie to me, Rain. I, I'm, I'm glad that you're honest. All right, I had uh, twice as much as I, I I have half as much as I did at the beginning because I realized we were going to run out of time, so I cut out a bunch of this trivia and I left only the most interesting stuff. Number one, Owen Wilson said he approached his relationship with Loki in this movie to, say, uh, to be similar to that of Matt Damon and Robin Williams and Goodwill Hunting. I kind of see it. Number two, rather than read any Marvel comics preferring for his role as Agent Mobius, Owen Wilson instead had Tom Littleston explain the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe to him. Pretty sure these were the Loki lectures that people were talking about. Miss Minutes is inspired by Mr. DNA from Jurassic Park. <laughs> Yeah. This series originally supposed to just be Loki popping up in different events in history, like the D.B. Cooper thing. And they went, well, what if we did something like cool with this? The TVA was inspired by Atlanta's Marriott Marquis Hotel, which is a 50 story building with distinct architecture. To promote this show, General Mills and Marvel announced they would release 3,500 specially branded boxes of Lucky Charm cereal titled Loki Charms. Uh, I couldn't get a box. Sorry. At one point during the first episode, Loki threatens that office worker, Casey, saying, I'll gut you like a fish, Casey. Can't believe nobody references. That's Scream. There's a line in Scream oh. where someone says, I'll gut you like a fish, Casey. In the opening. This is literally a... Yeah, in the opening. How do we all miss that? Um, it's a common phrase. Yeah. That's fair. That cart that Casey's pushing in the first episode, it has a T 
206 Honest Wagner baseball card, which up until recently, but is still now the third most valuable baseball card in existence. It sells for about $3 million on average. The time theater sequence was like Loki seeing his life, inspired by Minority Report. In the cafeteria, Loki steals a drink box from Casey to illustrate a point. This drink box was a Boku drink box, which was apparently a marketing thing from ju- called Juice Boxes for Adults from 1990 to 2003. Private Hudson and Corporal Hicks. This was in episode four, I think episode five, maybe four. But there's characters called Private Hudson and Corporal Hicks. This is a reference to Michael Bean and Bill Paxton and Aliens. The scene where Sif and Loki interact, first off, her first time seeing her since 2015 in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And secondly, that scene is actually based off of the Norse legend in which Loki cuts off Sif's hair. In the legends of that, this eventually puts Thor on a quest that leads to the creation of Molnir, his hammer. In the quote-unquote void, you see a bunch of things like Yellow Jacket's head, Loki Frog, like Rain mentioned earlier, not Loki Frog, uh, Thor Frog, which was voiced by Chris. That was Joe, uh, you plagiarizer. Uh, fuck you. Uh, there's also a helicarrier in the in the in the void with a fucking Hydra symbol implying that it comes from a universe where the Winter Soldier plan succeeded. There's a statue of the Living Tribunal, but most importantly, we saw the Thanos copter. Thanos copter. Thanos copter. The juice box that Kid Loki is drinking is High C Ecto Cooler, a soft drink that was first sold in 1989 to promote the worst Ghostbusters movie, Ghostbusters 2, and also the animated series The Real Ghostbusters. That ship that appears when, like, Loki and Sylvie are trying to have a plan to take on Ilif, that was the USS Eldridge, which was allegedly evolved in a military experiment carried out in 1943 entitled the Philadelphia Experiment, which Urban Mints report that the thing was permanently rendered invisible. To anyone. It's most likely a hoax. It actually was confirmed to be a hoax, but it's a reference to that. And then there's two things I want to mention in episode one. One of the structures the TV has has T-282 written on it. This refers to the Mighty Thor 282, which features Immortus, which is who we kind of see in the end of this episode. Episode four, the ruins of Stark Tower are visible behind classic Loki in the after credits scene, except it doesn't have Stark on it. It has Q-E-N-G, Kang. This is a reference to Kang Enterprises, which acquired the tower from Tony Stark. This company is owned by, you guessed it, Kang the Conqueror. They were screaming about it in Easter eggs to our faces and we missed it. Okay, I got through all of it. Very, very quickly, guys. Any departing thoughts on Loki, the show, these episodes, whatever, we'll start with Austin. They fucking did it! Woo! Woo! Bowling low. I'm excited to see where it's going. Like, the way that the they're splitting up everything. Like, there's gonna be movies that come out before season two of Loki. So, we're, like, season two of Loki's not picking up where season one left off. There's gonna be stuff in between. I'm excited to see how that meshes together. Like Multiverse of Madness. Renick, go. Uh, good job, Marvel. You stuck the landing. Uh, keep sticking the landing, please. Rain, go. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very interested to see uh, how how they uh, take things from here for season two. I agree more. I'm excited to see the next Doctor Strange. I'm excited to see more Loki as a character. And I'm excited that you decided to watch this video. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you're listening on any of the audio platforms we're on, please go ahead and leave a review because it helps boost us in the algorithm of whatever platform we're on. And if you're watching this video, thank you so very much for watching. Please comment below to let us know. What do you think of Loki? What do you think about those four or six? Are you excited for the future of the MCU? Comment below and let us know. While you're down there, hit that like button so we know how much you like us. Hit that subscribe button so we know how much you love us. 
us and hit the bell icon so you know exactly when we upload new videos. Thank you oh so very much for watching, guys, and I will see you next time. Wait. Peace, bitches. Next week we're doing Space Jam. Next week we're doing Space Jam. Hell yeah. Peace, bitches. You get two.